It's another episode of the All 7 Days Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We are taking your questions and answering them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters where the Bible gets to define truth and our minds and perspectives get to conform to that truth. You can send questions in at askatall7days.com, 864-660-9473. Join the All 7 Days Hangout on Facebook and listen on all your favorite podcasting apps. Trevor is back in the house this week. He was on vacation last week wrestling uh, mosquitoes and alligators. How was your trip, Trevor? Our internet connection is unstable, uh, so we'll see how Not this too goes. many mosquitoes. Yeah? Not too many mosquitoes. I saw a few alligators, so that was good. Um, so I was telling I was telling Bradley last week about the story of me getting fogged in Fort Myers one time. Do they still do that down there? I couldn't even I couldn't tell you. I hadn't seen one in years. A mosquito or a plane? I think they do trucks that just drive around the road and spray. Okay. Plane. <laughs> a plane. You haven't seen a plane in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, also in the house with us is... The mosquito uh, planes. There you go. Also in the house with us is a uh, very familiar guest now who's... Uh, I think he's just going to set up a, a little guest room and just stick around for a while. Bradley Cox is back with us. How are you, Bradley? I'm good. Hey, everybody. Good to be back with you. Yeah. And uh, the reason he's here is we're going to talk uh, Holy Week. Uh, as this episode launches, it'll be uh, the very beginning of of the, uh, can I say Easter? Is that a, is it, can I say Easter? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning of the Easter week. And uh, so we thought we would take a look and see, um, how society treats Easter and how the Bible looks at that entire week of Easter and see what kind of things we're missing out on as we uh, begin to look at and celebrate uh, this time of year. Um, so, and not to be lost on that is, you know, the Masters. Uh, which is the week after, but yes. yes yeah. it's, but it has occurred on Easter it has weekend. has occurred on Easter, yeah. that's right. So, uh, that's when you see the big magnolia blossoms have you ever been to the to the masters i have several times those magnolia magnolia blossoms are just they're the size of your head they're just enormous yeah augusta national is one of the few places that lives up to the hype i think oh yeah it's just absolutely gorgeous Mm -hmm. and my my story is when the one time i was there was actually for a sunday round right and somebody couldn't go. Somebody asked me if I you know, if I wanted to take their ticket. I was like, "Well, heck yeah!" Yep. So I go down there, and I was I had a headache the size of the mosquitoes in Florida. And so between fifteen and seventeen, there's like this ridge between the holes, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can stand on either side of the ridge and watch either hole, or stand on top and watch both. And I got to looking at that thing. My head was killing me, and I thought you know, I could just sit down here and just lean back against this hill. So I did. And my and I just laid back, closed my eyes, and it was 15 seconds. And I heard, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, my eyes popped open. He says, are you okay, sir? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's, please sit up, sir. No, nobody out of place. Nothing, nothing that the cameras can pick up is going to be out of place at the Masters. I do their um, their lottery every year. Yeah, and and I've done it for my goodness, I don't know. It almost I think since the, they started doing the lottery again. Yeah, however many years that's been, and 2019, 
when Tiger Woods won it. Yeah. I won tickets to Saturday. What? So I, th- I think I got two tickets to Saturday, and you have to pay for them. I mean, they're not right, free. Right. So it was like, I don't know, two or $300. I think $300 for the two tickets. Yeah. And I have a friend who lives in Aiken who I guess you would sort of call it the black market has brokered tickets. Yeah. And I wrestled with it and I thought about it. I, you know, I've been a few times by this point and yep. he sold those things for me for $3,000. $3,000. And I just could not turn it down. Oh, so, man. But, you know, there's a whole process because he, he, he's done this enough. He knows you got to vet the people you sell it to because if they go in there and act like a fool and oh, yeah. kicked out, oh, that's yeah. associated with me, not them. Right, yeah. And I'll be blacklisted. So he had to vet the buyer and all this kind of stuff and sold him. And then Tiger Woods wins the thing. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding. But I was, I, I got three grand out of it, so I was pretty that's happy pretty with that. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. Trevor, what's your biggest golf story? Uh, I've been to a couple Greg Norman tournaments down oh, yeah? in Naples, Florida. Oh, that's oh, cool. Yeah. You know he yeah. and he and he Tiger t- he and Tiger he are does neighbors. He does a tournament every year. Yeah, he and Tiger are neighbors down there, and they don't even they don't even talk they to don't each even other. talk to each other. He's like, well, I got nothing against him. I just we just don't <laughs> we're just not in the same circle. They're like right down the street from each other. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Two professional yeah. golfers of that status would. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wonder what that has to do with Tiger's Houston. Tiger's an oddball, though. He's, he is. He is. He is. That's true. That's true. He's he's pretty good golfer though. Pretty I, good golfer. I pretty wish I was as bad as he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into Easter when we come back. This is the All Seven Days podcast. Welcome back to the All Seven Days podcast. We're here to answer your questions, and today we're talking about Holy Week. And uh, so um, let's just jump right in. So I've, I've noticed the calendar is a little bit different than how the Bible portrays um, the the progression of events in Holy Week. And I don't know if that's anything to, you know, make a big deal about. It's just that uh, we, uh, the, the secular calendar, the, the one we're running on now, we're going to have Passover, mm-hmm. which by the time this airs will be over. Mm-hmm. We'll have Palm Sunday, which by the time this airs will have just happened. And then we have the week leading up to Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And then Resurrection Sunday, of course, which we call Easter. Um, do you know, do you happen to know? I'm just spitballing here. Do you happen to know where the where the term Easter comes from? I've heard things, um, Mister Theologian guy. You know, there's you know there's some people that get up in arms because there's a reference to a pagan god Ishtar that uh, ah. you know some people you know associate with, but I I, I can't say that I I know what exactly that comes from. Um, it's just that in, you know, the church for as long as I can remember, we've referred to it as Easter week. And you, you, if you, if you press just about any tradition that we have, you can find some sort of pagan roots to it. Sure. Yeah. Christmas trees, you know, Santa Claus, uh, you know, all of those things you can press. If you press them hard enough, you're going to find some sort of pagan connection. So I, I don't, I don't get too up in arms about the term Easter. Yeah. Um, I, I do sometimes try to consciously refer to it as Resurrection Sunday yeah, uh, yeah, and Holy Week. I think those terms do force us to think outside of the commercial box of Easter bunnies and all those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but at the same time, I mean, we're 
promoting Easter at Resurrection Church. Um, sure. Because that's what people are familiar with. So um, is there, is it just a matter of convenience as how we're, how those things are laid out on the calendar now as compared to how they occur in the Bible? Specifically, I'm talking about Luke because that seems to me a more chronological account of that week. Uh, we have the, um, uh, the Passover seems to be celebrated on a Thursday mm-hmm. before quote unquote Good Friday, Crucifixion mm-hmm. Friday, and then um, the Resurrection Sunday. They're yeah. they're really close together, and Passover seems to be the sun or the Saturday before Palm Sunday, and then Resurrection Sunday is a, an entire week later. Yeah, I mean, you know, Judaism. I, I'm not sure exactly how that gets placed on the secular calendar, to be honest. Um, I, I'm not sure why we we have Passover listed separate from what we would consider Holy Week. But you're right. I mean, Passover was taking place on, I mean, Jesus specifically instructed his disciples to go find this this room so that they could celebrate Passover together on Thursday. Right. That's when that happened. Um, and why it's placed before Palm Sunday, I couldn't tell you uh, on the secular calendar. Um, but that's what we know happened on Holy it, Week. I, I'm going to venture a guess into that it's somehow related to the separation of the Jewish holiday to the christian holiday that was my first thought but yeah. i don't know that for sure yeah so i don't either. Just, to, that's to a, speculate about it that's a guess that's a guess on my part so too. if you're if you're out there listening and you've got a better answer than we have please let us know mm-hmm. so as we as he anything trevor in that do you know i don't you and I your don't. you and your big uh, your big beard you know what you think about growing that? up methodist uh, you know there i don't think there was a huge focus or at least i didn't I wasn't aware of, you know, celebrating Passover. I know on Palm Sunday as a kid, they'd all give us like palm branches. Yep. Yep. And we would, I don't know, we'd do something with them. We'd lay them on the, <laughs> yeah. the sidewalk walking up. Yeah. I thought that was pretty neat, but yeah. Yeah. That's well, my only yeah, collection I can, of it. I can understand. Well, technically, as, as Christians, you know, when Jesus celebrated that Passover, he instituted the Lord's Supper, which we now celebrate on a more regular basis than just once a year. Mm-hmm. He said, as often as you do it, and we at Res try to do it at least once a, once a month, sometimes more often, sometimes less, but as the, as, as we can do that, we do it. It's, and it's a very, um, um, sacred time, right? Mm-hmm. So we, that's kind of, I guess why we as Christians don't celebrate the Passover proper, right? It's, it's a Jewish holiday, but we, have been given a new meaning to it and we don't do the entire meal like they did it was it was quite the elaborate meal mm-hmm. we're just doing the bread and the wine uh to commemorate the lord's death um as he as he instructed us to do um so i can understand why passover would not be that big of a deal um mm-hmm. in uh in our in our christian calendar um so as we, but as we see the events unfolding um, through the Bible, if we start in Luke 19, we can see there's there's the triumphal entry where where Palm Sunday comes from, right? Mm-hmm. 
So Palm Sunday should be the first on the list of our of our Holy Week calendar. And that's where Jesus has his disciples go find the donkey. He rides the donkey into town and people are shouting Hosanna and throwing palm branches in front of him for him to come into the city. Mm-hmm. So just take it from there, Bradley, and just walk through the, the chronological pieces that we can in the short amount of time that we have to just kind of flesh out. There's so much in that week that happened, the the cleansing of the temple, all the parables and the teaching that he did, the, uh, the Passover that did happen, his prayer on the Mount of Olives, the illegal trial, and all that. And they, I did, I did, that's just like... M- things that happened there's a whole lot more that happened during that week than just those things before the trial even started um what are we what are we really skimming past that there's so much richness there what are we what are we missing that we should be trying to get out of this week well i don't know what we're missing per se i mean i i think the thing that stands out to me the most is just and it's true of all of Jesus's ministry is how intentional he was and everything is going according to plan. I mean, it's not whimsical. I talked about that on Sunday uh, when we looked at Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry, going to his hometown of Nazareth. And um, they, he reads from Isaiah 61 and um, declares or inaugurates the year of the Lord's favor and his hometown folk ask him for a sign to prove it. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Right. Um, and there's a lot we could talk about there. But if, if you want to know more, you can listen to the Res podcast uh, and from this past Sunday. But um, I think one of the main things that comes out of that is that Jesus is not doing things whimsically. They're, the kingdom's not whimsical. Right. It, this is happening according to a definite plan. And so... Even Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was prophesied. Uh, there's there's an Old Testament reference to that. And um, he comes in <clears throat> as a king. I mean, that's that's how they're heralding him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means save us. And we know that they had wrong, totally wrong notions about what that means. Um, but, but this is Jesus, the king of the Jews, coming in as a king, but not the king that they thought he was. Right. Um, and I think Palm Sunday is just a very vivid dramatization of God, God executing his plan. You know, Peter will say, <clears throat> or when, when Peter and John are threatened by the Sanhedrin, after they heal the lame man at the temple and they go back to their home church and they pray um, that one of the, the part of their prayer is the declaration that Jesus was crucified according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So right. they, in the earliest days of the church, they're aware <clears throat> that all of this is happening according to God's plan. And Palm Sunday is such a vivid dramatization of God's redemptive plan playing out through Jesus exactly like he's he's orchestrated it and man celebrating it for all the wrong reasons because man wants it on their terms yeah. and it's not on their terms yeah. you know he's not there to deliver them from Rome he's not there to put ethnic Israel back on the map he's inaugurating the kingdom of God he's going to 
He's going to die and atone, uh, and atone for the sins of um, God's people. Um, so that's that's what's happening there. Um, you go into Monday, and Jesus, uh, to me, this is one of the most, uh, yet another vivid dramatization, is Jesus curses the fig tree on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So they're going by a fig tree, and Jesus is hungry. Yeah. And the fig tree, the Bible says, was in leaf, which meant that it was full of leaves. It, but, you know, the Bible says it was not the season for figs. Right. But when a fig tree's in leaf, there's supposed to be little edible buds on it, um, even though they're not full-grown figs. Right. And so Jesus sees uh, this tree in leaf, and it has the appearance of bearing fruit, but it has no fruit on it at all. And he curses the fig tree. Yeah. And then, they, of course, they he goes into uh, uh, the temple uh, that same day and cleanses the temple. Yeah. He runs the money changers out. And there, in the temple, there is the appearance of a lot of religious activity. There's a, the appearance yeah. that the temple's busy and it's full of people, lots of stuff happening, but there's no fruit there. Yeah. And so that that contrast and that statement is is potent it's powerful and then of course they go back the next day and disciples like jesus look the fig tree you cursed is withered up yeah um which you know is there's just all kinds of pointers there and signs to the fact that the temple order is over it's it's about to be over um and jesus is our high priest you know there's so many so many um um pointers there for that um so yeah, that's that's the start of the week. I mean, we can pause right there and just let you guys comment on that in any way you want to. Go, Trevor. I I don't. I, I've never heard that story, I, or at least I don't recall hearing the story of the fig tree. I do. Um, I've heard the story of him going into the temple and turning the te- the tables over and causing a big scene. Yeah, very true. But, um, sorry. Yeah, I and I, I'm trying to remember where I heard this. It might have been from you, Bradley, but it might not have been that that that, that particular system was set up, and it, it probably was you when you were talking about when Mary and, and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple. It kind of tied into this when they they couldn't afford a lamb, so they were you know there was there are people there that will sell you a dove mm-hmm. if you you know for for the for the sacrifice that they had to bring and there was kind of an exchange rate thing going on and a lot of pretty much extorting uh, or overcharging for all those animals mm-hmm. and uh and and jesus was having no part of it no yeah again the appearance of fruit right which you know is is you know sort of i think that the cursing of the fig tree is almost like a little mini parable Mm -hmm. that's acted out live i mean you know parables are are fictional stories that make a a a point a truth point yeah but and jesus this is not fictional he actually did this but to make a point right and then that point is dramatized in the cleansing of the temple and then i think it's dramatized here the next day after they come back and they see the fig tree withered um they, it, it says, in, this is from Mark 11, verse 27, and they came again to Jerusalem. So he's going in and out of the city. Right. 
uh, this last week. And as he was walking into the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? And they're referring to the cleansing of the temple. Right. And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Which is just a absolute genius question. Yeah. He knows he's got to answer, answer me. And they discussed it with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe them? Believe him. But if, shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm, I do these things. And I don't think Jesus is being dodgy. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. I think what what he clearly points out there is that you're not even on the same page with me enough for us to have an intelligent conversation yeah. about this. Because if you don't if you don't understand John's ministry, then you're never going to understand by what authority I'm doing these things because you have no concept right. of how Yahweh God is working at this moment right now you're totally way off base yeah and so he's not even willing to go there when the conversation that's on tuesday and even if they even if they did answer the question his answer was not going to satisfy them exactly because i mean they're they're dodging their answer because of you know because they want it on their terms just like it's the same phrase that you just used Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah absolutely so as we as we move on from there, and um, there's there's tons of stuff that Jesus taught. Um, uh, there's there's prophecies that uh, that are talked about in there. Uh, things he talks about as far as the um, you know uh, the the temple not being there much longer, mm-hmm. and uh, and those sorts of things, and. Um, and of course, he parallels that with his own death, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, tear this temple down; I'll build it, rebuild it in three days, kind of deal. Um, what other what other teachings are in there that I'm missing that really stand out for that week? Um, well, it, it sort of coming out of that conversation about John the Baptist, he tells the parable of the tenants, mm-hmm. um, which, if you know the the parable. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, dug a pit for a wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. And when the season came, he sent the servant to the uh, the servant to the tenants, to, a servant to get to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him out, beat him, sent him away empty handed. He sends another servant. They struck him on the head, treated him shamefully, sent another and they killed him. And so with many others, so uh, some some they beat and some they killed. And then he had yet another, a beloved son, and he sent them to him. They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him out and killed him. And then Jesus quotes the scripture, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And it's it, this is a clear this is Jesus calling them out. You know, you're yeah. not receiving me for who I am. Um, and that's when things start to ramp up towards the end of Tuesday and into Wednesday. The plot thickens. Yep. They start developing a strategy to kill him. And that's when 
it's about that time too that Judah says, mm-hmm. "This isn't going to work out well. Mm-hmm. I'm in it for the money anyway," and he goes and sells him out. Yeah, and that's how Judas is typically thought of. Um, I have another theory that I can't prove for <laughs> sure. Let's hear it. Um, there's part of me that wonders, you know, Judas. Judas is definitely um, lost, mm-hmm. right? He's yeah. he's lost. And I wonder if the impulse for Judas was not so much, "Hey, I think I got an opportunity to make some some coin here." Yeah. Let let me just let me just betray him because he's lost his mind. I wonder if his thought was, if I do this, it might actually prompt Jesus to do what we all think Messiah should be doing any anyway, mm-hmm. and that is to take up arms and overthrow the powers that be in both Jerusalem and in Rome. Yeah. And set up his throne. Like I wonder if he didn't think that was a a way to sort of surely if he is who he says he is, he's not going to let this happen. He's not going to let this happen. He's, and yeah. that was even Peter's thought, right? And Peter Peter has the bo- uh, the the boldness to actually vocalize that, right? And say, no, this is not happening. You're not dying. And he yeah. says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. And I wonder if that wasn't the same impulse for Judas. Was that he can't die? He's not yeah. going to die. We're going to. He's going to take over, and we're going to be sitting to his right and left. Yeah. So there is a a selfish motivation for Judas, I think. But I wonder if that. I don't think it was just quite. He was greedy, um, and that was it. I think it was more complicated than that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it like that. I don't even think you know this. This fast forwards a little bit. I don't even think that Peter's denial is understood rightly. I think that, um, you know, Peter says, I'll die with you, Lord. I'll go all the way. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, I tell you before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And and Peter says, even if I have to die, I'll never, I'll never deny you. Yeah. And we know that when the when the when the posse shows up to arrest Jesus, Peter pulls out his sword, cuts off a guy's ear. Jesus heals the guy and rebukes Peter again. Yeah. And then all the other disciples fall away. Yeah. But Peter follows at a distance. Mm-hmm. Peter is the one that's thought of as a coward. Yeah. And all the other disciples are just sort of we, we don't even give them much thought to right. their cowardice. They they didn't they just they just ran off. Yeah. But Peter follows at a distance and I wonder if again his impulse was not so much cowardice as it was, he was trying to remain as inconspicuous as possible to look for an opportunity to bust him out. Because this is Could not be. how this is going to go down. Yeah. He And what, what does Jesus say when he rebukes him? You're not thinking like according to the things of God. You're thinking right. according to the things of man. Right. So his, his, his thinking is off. His intentions are good. Yeah. He loves Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to die. Right. And so I wonder if he follows at a distance and then denies Jesus because he's trying to stay inconspicuous long enough because he's within eyesight of Jesus right, when the rooster right. crows. Yeah, because he looks at him. That's right. And I think that's what Peter was doing. And I think he goes out and weeps bitterly after the rooster crows, not because he's regretful of his cowardice, but because it finally dawns on him, this is going to happen. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. And maybe I am that off. Yeah. Maybe I am that off. And um, so I, I think those are some 
things that we may not quite have right. And the Bible's not explicit, so we right. there's a little bit of sanctified speculation on my part in that. <laughs> Always like it. Always like it. Got anything, Trevor? Any questions out of any of that stuff? Um, I have a buddy that played Judas in the uh, Passion Play, <laughs> and pe people used to look at him strange afterwards, like he was the real Judas. <laughs> He's been typecast. <laughs> yeah, he should have just he made sure he should have made just, sure he was a Judas the next year. That's right. He should have just looked at him and said, "Hey guys, we're all Judas in this story." <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, so we get into the actual uh, weekend. We, we've got Passover. We kind of talked about that already. Uh, anything else from Passover and turning that into the Lord's Supper that we need to, uh, need to discuss? I think one of the things that's interesting that we're emphasizing at Res, and I don't know that I've ever really talked about this with our church um, until this year, is there, there's a section of the Psalms Psalm 113 to 118 that's known as uh, the Egyptian Hallel. There's a larger section of scripture known as the Hallel that includes the Psalms of Ascent or the Pilgrim Songs. But this particular section is what Jews would sing, read, mm -hmm. and worship to during the Passover meal. Yep. And it's some of the most quotable section of the Psalms. Uh, from the rising of the sun till the setting of the mm -hmm. same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Yeah. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Just picture Jesus singing that yeah. right before he's betrayed and right before he's arrested and brutally tortured and killed. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's just, mm -hmm. you, you read this... Um, um, Psalm 117 is two verses. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of Yahweh endures forever. Praise the Lord. Oh, give Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Uh, let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Jesus yeah. is worshiping to those psalms yeah. right before he goes to the cross. And that I, part of our Holy Week scripture reading is going to be that. We're going to read through these psalms on Good Friday and go there <clears throat> with Jesus and the disciples as they worship to this, knowing Jesus knows what's ahead of him. Yeah. Which is, I think that's, that's just incredible pretty to think awesome. about. Yeah. Uh, so uh, from there, they, they, uh, they do the Passover meal. They, he washes their feet. Uh, he tells Judas, hey, what you got to do, go do it. And, and he's on his way to betray him. And then he moves into this prayer that oh, he yeah. prays on the Mount of Olives that uh, is just, uh, it's an incredible prayer and not but do the events around it as well right because he he prays for us yes in this prayer um and some of the language in there about um you know and I, I've, I've i've done a lesson or two around uh, around this prayer where he our relationship with each other is with each other mm -hmm. 
but he speaks of the relationship of us and God and him and God is in each other. Yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. so much more intimate and, and, um, empowering, uh, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. You've already turned to it. Well, I, I, one thing I'd say about Jesus washing the disciples feet, um, you know, one of the things that we don't know for sure, um, and this may jostle some people's minds a little bit, but just hear my preface. We don't know this. For, we don't know for sure how much Jesus knew and understood about who he was mm-hmm. and what he was on the earth to do at different points of his life. Right. Like, for example, at 12 years old in the temple, when his parents leave him behind, was he fully aware? I'm the second person of the triune God who's going to die for the sins of mankind and rise again on the third day and ascend into heaven and establish my church. Was he fully aware of that at age 12? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think he was becoming aware, increasingly aware. And you, you fast forward to the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses show up, the, the law and the prophets. Yeah. And it says, you know, Peter, James, and John are asleep. Yeah. And it says that Elijah and Moses were speaking with him about his departure. Yeah. I think he's getting instructions right there. Yeah. I think it's becoming clear. So fast forward to Passover, the Last Supper, and as he's grabbing the towel and wash basin to wash their feet, John says, and knowing fully who he was, that he had come from the Father and was going to the Father. Yeah. So regardless of how we might speculate about what he knew when, we know at the Last Supper, when he knelt down and washed their dirty, nasty feet, he knew exactly who he was. Yep. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And he still served them in that way, yeah. which is just powerful to me yeah. to think about that. And then he prays this prayer, which actually one of our elders read for the, a part of it for the benediction this past Sunday. Yep. I'll just read a portion of it. Um, and Jesus says, um, he says, while, while I was with them, He's talking about his disciples specifically right here. I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. That's a reference to Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves, the joy of my, in my relationship with the Father, doing everything that the Father's given me to do, He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So that's all what he's praying over the 11. Mm-hmm. But then he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So at that point, he's praying the same prayer mm-hmm. for Bradley, for Stan, and for Trevor. Yeah. All those who believe in, in their name. We're not of the world. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we are God's children, God's chosen, God's elect, and Jesus has not taken us out of the world, but he sent us into the world, and we're sent as his ambassadors, and in the same way, and I talked about this on Sunday, you know, um, 
to go in his name should not be absent of the expectation that some people are going to hate us for it. Yeah. You know, Jesus is not just a nice guy yep. who wants to make everybody happy with him. Yep. You know, there's there's a kingdom that's come and um you know, in the same way that Jesus could read a verse and a half from Isaiah in his home church uh, in Luke 4 and, and give a one-sentence sermon, and they're ready to throw him off a cliff. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't expect that in the world there's not going to be resistance to this Jesus and, and to us as his people, his church. Um, yeah. But Jesus prayed for us yeah. 2,000 years ago, yeah. and he's still praying for us. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So from there, uh, we uh, we move on to uh, the crucifixion, and that's that's really where the Good Friday piece comes from, right? Mm-hmm. And we're more familiar with that. Uh, if, you've, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, I think mm-hmm. you've got a pretty good idea uh, of what went on there. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I, I think it was really well yeah. done. Um, it certainly gets to the brutality of it all. Yeah, there's some you know extra biblical things in there. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it certainly is the most vivid dramatization I've seen of what it might have actually been like. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we have, of course, the the entire time he's on the cross, the um, the completion or the uh, or the the full payment for God's wrath mm-hmm. happens there, and um, then he he really dies. He's really buried, and then. Uh, there's that there's that time of you know everybody's running and hiding and it, it, we didn't even talk about you know how the how the how the creation reacted yeah. to the crucifixion as well the darkening of the sky and the earthquake and people coming up out of the graves I mean holy smoke what a what a crazy time that must have been absolutely um, and then but then finally to uh, to defeating death and the resurrection any what else is in there that we need to that we need to flesh out we need to be really considering during this time i I think to me the most sobering thing about good friday is that it's not chaos it's not out of control um it's the the bible says that it or in isaiah um it pleased the lord to crush him Mm -hmm. yeah so there, God is doing exactly what He intended to do. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's hard for us to get our minds around that God would will and plan and sovereignly rule over the worst sin that's ever been committed. Yeah. And for His glory and for the good of His people, mm-hmm. uh, this all happened. And so, you know, the brutality of Good Friday is Jesus exhausting the wrath of God for me for Trevor, for Stan, um, and for all those who call on the name of the Lord, the wrath is exhausted. Jesus goes from, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Which I think, in in my mind, is Jesus vocalizing the moment where he's just fully feeling and experiencing, not just feeling, but experiencing the wrath of God Mm -hmm. for sin. Um, And But before he dies, he says... To Telestai, it is finished. The wrath is exhausted. Jesus does right. not die under wrath. He dies and commits his spirit into his Father's hands, tells the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, I don't think Jesus descended into hell. I don't think he was in soul sleep. 
I think that uh, the minute he breathed his last, he's with the Father yeah. uh, in spirit and physically, bodily rose on that first Easter morning um, and didn't get a new body. Nope. He got a renewed body. Right. Still had scars. Uh, let Thomas touch him. Yep. He ate fish. Um, and, you know, he... he it, the, the, you're going to make fun of me for this, but the technical term is corporeal. He's, he corporeally rose, yeah. right? And and this is weird to me to, to even understand. where Wherever Jesus is right now in the present heaven, mm-hmm. he is as physical as we are right now. Yeah. Which... That I, that's I struggle to yeah. fathom that yeah. because um, those who die in Christ now are spiritually with right. Jesus and spiritually in the present heaven, and one day they, along with us, will get a physically renewed body just like Christ. But that hasn't happened yet. Um, Jesus is physically present, yeah, and uh, that's that's staggering. You know, he's not a he's not translucent floating around somewhere. Um, yeah, you know, so, um, I've kind of fast forwarded to Sunday right there, but that's cool. Um, anyway, Sunday's a fascinating day. Uh, We've got about five or six minutes here before I got to go, but, um, I think the road to Emmaus is, is a fascinating story. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that resurrection afternoon. So he's already appeared to Mary, um, and Peter and John have raced to the tomb and John outran him and, um, you know, they look in, they see the cloth folded, and, and he's not there. They're all reeling from this, not knowing what to do. And two disciples take off and take a seven-mile walk to Emmaus, and Jesus appears to them. Yeah. And somehow they're kept from recognizing him. And you would think that Jesus would just, in that moment, go, ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> it's me! It's me! Right? You yeah. know? But instead, he does a Bible study with them. Yeah. He goes through the law and the prophets and... And shows them how those things spoke of him and how it was necessary for the for the Messiah to suffer in these ways. And then they go back to the house. He breaks the bread. Their eyes are opened and he disappears. Yeah. And um, again, you would think that what they needed was a good long look at him. But then after he disappears, they say, did not our hearts burn yeah. when he opened the scriptures yeah. to us? And I love that because that to me is a taste or... Um, an example maybe of what we experience yeah. now yeah. is that when we open the scriptures and we read of this Jesus and we even read the words of the apostle Paul and we, we consider um, the new covenant, we taste and we experience this Jesus very yeah. much in the same way that those disciples did on the road to Emmaus and our hearts burn, yeah. right? Yeah. We know that what we can see with our natural I is not all that's going on. Yeah, um, very and, true. And I love that story. Yeah, me too. Trevor, anything? Last comments, conundrums, snarks, questions? I just, I I enjoy like all the, the lead up to everything and how everything kind of, it went in order the way it should be. And oh, yeah. it just, everything happened for a reason, the way it, at the right time. I love the story, even though, you know, Jesus dies, but I think it's, you know, it's very important for people to, uh, the end of the full story story and not just, you know, right. Yeah. It's not like an end of the end of the movie, you know? Yeah. Very true. It goes on. 
Very true. Well, and, and if the listeners want, I mean, if maybe your church is providing this, but if not, um, on our social media platforms for Resurrection Church, Facebook and Instagram, um, this sort of chronological reading schedule for the week, which begins on Sunday, Palm Sunday, will be there and be available if people want to access it. And, and, it, and it is just snap, snapshots. It's not the whole thing, but it at least gives you a sense of what happened on each day, and you can just meditate on that. Yeah. And take that day to sort of walk with Jesus through Passion Week. That's great. That's great. That's resfaith.com. Resfaith.com and Resurrection Church on Facebook, and I think Resfaith on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, there's so there's so much to consider for that week, and just don't blow past it this year. It's mm-hmm. not about colored eggs, and it's not about bunnies, and it's not about this green fake grass stuff that you can't get out of the exactly. yard. Exactly. And the the eggs that you left in a bush for three days, and then you hit them with a lawnmower, and the bomb hits. Uh, that's not about. That's not what Easter is. Uh, consider uh, carefully what what really happened for you that week uh we appreciate you listening today thanks bradley for coming back in on such uh such a quick turnaround and yes, uh thank you. yep and uh remember you can uh, get your questions comments and conundrums in ask at all seven days.com 864-660-9473 join the all seven days hangout on facebook let others know about the podcast give it a share right now if you will uh, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps. And support us, all7days.com slash shop or anchor.fm slash all7days. This is the All 7 Days podcast where the goal is to make you think so highly of God that you forget about yourself. Now go give someone what you value most today. 